So, hey, our minds have a way of, of remembering things, right? So, and that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Sometimes things just seem to get, get stuck in our head, though, and we kind of play them over and over. And, and our daughter, our youngest daughter, Lola, that will be four next month, she has this uncanny ability to find YouTube videos completely on her own, some kind of YouTube genius, that these videos that are memorable, but at the same time, very annoying. You've seen these videos. And I want to play one a segment of one of these videos for you. Not the whole thing, just a part of it. And the only thing um, I can say is that you can thank me later for this. So, James, if you'll go ahead and cue that. Did you notice the grandma shark and grandpa shark? No tea. <laughs> yeah, so that is the song that I've been walking around singing the last few weeks. Um, and, you know, you're going to leave here today with that tune in your head, Daddy Shark, do 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 you're welcome. You're welcome. So, and this is how it works. So it starts out, you hear the tune and, and it's memorable. So you play it in your head. Then you start to sing it in your head. And that's when it's got you. Because when you start singing it in your head, it's just a matter of time before you start singing it out loud. And you're walking around with a bunch of adults singing that song. <laughs> so that is my hope for you the next few weeks too. Uh, but you know, um, most of the time, th- that's our tendency when it comes to, to events or seasons in our life that, that we've went through and we're in the past and we're, and we're trying to get over. All the times what we'll do is we'll play them over and over in our head, right? And, and we work so hard maybe to try to distance ourselves from that person or that event or that scar but somehow it creeps uh, back into our mind and into our identity. So what follows in our head when we play these events or these portions of our life in our head, what follows in our mind are, are things like this. We tell ourselves, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm a failure again or I'm an addict or, or whatever it is. Just fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. And we give that, that thing in our life so much attention, so much of our thought life, so much of ourselves. We want it to die. We, we hope it'll die. We maybe even pray that it'll die. But we think we're maybe running away in the opposite direction from it and that we're killing it. But in reality, what we're doing is we're feeding it. All the, the, the negative attention we're giving it, we're actually feeding that thing in our life. And God says that some things in our life need to die. Some things we need to stop feeding. And that's where we're going today. And we're going to be in Colossians uh, chapter 3. The verses, will be, the verses will be on the screen in just a moment. But let me just tell you what's going on here to set it up for just a moment for you. We, we're going to be looking at a, just a few verses out of uh, the the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. And in the first few chapters, Paul just gives this picture of who Christ is, who the character of Christ is. We talk about that the first week. If you want to know who Jesus is and what he's about, read the first chapter, the first few verses of Colossians. So he tells us who Christ is. Then he tells us who we are in Christ. After that, next, though, he just kind of lays down the law 
um, for the Colossians. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Listen to what Paul writes to this church, this group of believers. He says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. He says, just put it to death. There are some things that need to die. There are some things that, that you need to stop feeding. He goes on, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. This, this is so key too. This includes thoughts, your thoughts. So stop thinking about those things. He goes on, don't be greedy for a greedy person is an adulterer, worshiping the things of this world. Paul's saying here, if you spend more time worried about what you can accumulate, how much money you can make, and those things, than you spend on the people around you or on getting to know God, then actually what you're doing is committing idolatry. That's what Paul says. And in verse 6, it goes on, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Paul is saying, hey, you got, you guys, y'all got to cut it out. God is getting mad. He is not playing. Y'all just need to stop. Verse 7, you used to do these things. So, he, so he's writing, to, get this, he's writing to a group of believers, a church, a group of Christ followers, and he said, you used to do these things. What things is he talking about? The things that he just listed. Some of them were sexual sins. Um, some of them were people just being greedy. And, and the list goes on and on. And Paul says, hey, you, you used to do those things when your life was still part of this world. But he says, but now you need to put those things to death. And God is going to do something amazing inside of you. He's going to change you. And it's going to, for the people around you, Paul would say to the, the Colossians, when you do this, it is going to look like nothing short of a miracle to the people that are around you. Verse 8, he goes on. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. And, and what Paul's doing here is he, he's painting a picture of the, con, the contrast between what the, the, the church, these people in the church that were believers, what they used to look like to where God wants to bring them and what he wants to do in their life. He said in verse 10, he says, put on your new nature, the new nature that you received by putting your faith, putting your trust in Jesus saying, I am going to follow you and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So what Paul is talking about here in this new nature is this one time event when that, that moment when you stop doing life your way and you said, okay, God, I've tried, I've tried to do it my way and, you know, it just didn't work out real great. And I'm putting my life in your hands. I'm putting my faith in you and I want to do life according to your plan for my life. When was that time for you? Have you, have you done that? If not, you can do that in this very moment. Paul is saying, 
once your, your nature is made new, then you're being renewed. You're constantly being renewed and changed from the inside out. Last week we talked about how uh, you become like Jesus, how you become renewed. And we, to- we told you that it's through his word and through his prayer, through prayer, getting to know him. You become the miracle of a changed person. A person that is more and more like him. And the, the thing about this, this never happens by accident. It, it has to be intentional. It doesn't just, it doesn't just happen. You, you have to do something, and God has to do something in you. It creates you a, a changed life. It creates something Something that gets people's attention. You know, the first century church, um, it got people's attention because of the way that Christ changed people's lives. And that is something that goes viral. That is something that is worth sharing. You know, this video has had millions of hits, which means it has gone viral. It's a viral. I had to turn the power off on the spotlight. So you'll need to hit the power button. There you go. This uh, video has gone viral. It's had millions of hits, which means that's how we know it's gone viral. And technology has created this whole new sense of uh, vocabulary and giving new meanings to old words. And that's one of them. Now, if you are sick and you have a virus, that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing, especially if it is a stomach virus. That's a really bad thing. We don't like that. We don't want that. That means something is in you and it's not right. It's not supposed to be there. And in fact, in the form of a virus, it's something living in you that's not supposed to be there. Uh, In your computer, if your computer gets a virus, then that's a bad thing because that's not supposed to be there. We don't want it there. But they've given new meaning to this word. So if something is going viral, well, that seems to be a good thing because it means everyone is noticing something. Everyone sees something going on. It's going viral. They've, they're paying attention to it. They're talking about it. They're sharing it. We walk up to people and say, have you seen the video? Have you seen this? It's gone viral. And this is what Paul is saying to the people of this church in Colossians. He's saying this. He's saying, you are going viral in this world, in this culture. You're going viral. People are talking about what's happening in your life. They're talking about what they're seeing as they look at your life because they are seeing in your life a miracle. You used to be this, but now you are this, something new, something different. And they're talking about it because you are the miracle. And they are seeing it. They're seeing you change before their very eyes. So if that's what Paul is saying, if he's looking at this group of people and saying, you are going viral, people are talking about what's happening to you. They see the difference that God is making in your life. Then how do we get that? How do we get that same thing? As Donnie said, he said, some of you were like this. You're not anymore, he said. And the people are talking. So how do we get it? Well, Donnie started us off with verse number five. We did that for a reason. 
because now we want to tell you how you get what they've got. How do you get that life change so that your life can go viral? Well, he gives us that answer starting with verse number one of this very same chapter. Verse number one says this, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, since you've been raised, it means it has happened. You are a, a, a Christ follower, a believer, a Christian. That is you, he says, that there was this moment in your life. He's saying this moment in your life when you gave God all of this life. And he gave you from the inside out this new nature. It's the moment you said, God, you can have this life. It's yours. Now, that's how it gets started. But now there's something that has to happen that keeps something happening, that keeps change taking place. You see, the new nature, that's a one-time moment, a moment in time. But the change that this new nature brings about that happens for the rest of your life. So he says in verse one, since you have been raised to new life in Christ, since you've had that moment in your life when you said, God, you can have this life. It's yours. It belongs to you. Now he says, here's what we need to do now. He says, set your sights, set your sights. He says, I want you now to focus on something very specific. I want you to stop looking where you were looking, where you have been looking. I want you to change the object. You were looking over here at this, but I, he's saying, I want you to stop looking at that, and I want to change your focus. I want you to shift your focus, change the object of your focus. He says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. And then he goes on, he says, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. He says, that's where Jesus is today. He's sitting at God's right hand today. And I want you, Paul is saying, I want you to change your focus. You were looking at all of this stuff, all of these things of just life and the junk of life. Stop looking, stop focusing on that change. God will not change your focus. He won't make you stop looking on the junk of your past or the junk of your present. Paul says, change your focus. He says, set your sights on the reality of heaven. What is the reality of heaven? And then he tells us it is Jesus on the throne. Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. He says, take your mind off the junk and put your mind on Jesus. Take your mind off the junk, your focus off the junk and put your focus, your mind on Jesus. That's the reality. You know what? You're drowning in this reality. He says, take your mind off that. Shift your focus and focus your mind on the reality of Jesus, your king. Think about him. That's what he says. Now he goes on in verse 2. Think about the things of heaven, 
not the things of the earth. In other words, you've been thinking about all that junk. Stop. Don't think it. Think about God and his desire for you to know him. You've been thinking about that person over there who has hurt you. And, and it's understandable. As we look at that situation, it's understandable why you would think about that. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Quit replaying in your mind that hurt and that event and that person over and over and over again. He said, stop. Instead, think about the realities of heaven. You know what? Instead, think about God's word. And maybe you should replay that verse by verse by verse over and over in your mind. He said, you've been over here thinking about your addiction. And we understand that. We understand how something grabs a hold of your life and it consumes you. And Paul says, stop thinking about that addiction. You've been sober for 90 days now. You've been sober for 60 days or 30 days. He says, stop. He says, stop thinking about that desire Stop thinking about what you've been missing. Stop thinking about that thing and shift your focus over here to the one who can heal you and help you. He says, change your focus. Think about the things of God. Take God's powerful words and place them in your life instead of thinking about this junk Paul says, you used to live attached to all of these other things. He said, stop and attach yourself to God and his realities and his word. Now, why can we separate ourselves from the junk of our life? Why is that even a possibility? Paul tells us in verse 3. Again, he's speaking to believers. He says, for you died. Paul said, you died to this life. And your real life, your genuine life, the real deal is hidden with Christ in God. Paul says, you know what? You're, you're dead to that. And Paul says, guess what? If you have died to that mess, guess what? Dead people don't sin. Dead people are not addicted. Dead people don't have an identity crisis. He said, you have died. He's only speaking to people who are believers. You have died to that old life that offered you fake joy, a fake comfort, fake peace. That was the fake you, he said. But now, that's not you anymore. You died to that. Now you have a real life. And that life is covered, covered completely by Jesus. Verse 4. Paul says, and when Christ, who is your life, don't forget, he says, who is your life? When Christ is revealed to the whole world, that means when he comes back, when he's revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Now, let's jump to the end of the passage where Donnie was reading. He's finished with verse 10. Let's now go to verse 11. 
He's getting ready to tell us now. He's saying, listen, guys, this whole thing we're talking about here is not about your color. It's not about your gender. It's not about your career. It's not about the size of your house. It's not about what you've accomplished. He says none of that matters. It's Jesus living in us. He says that in verse 11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, and that's not meaning like, oh, I have no laws. It's anyone who was not a Jew was a barbaric, basically. So he says, civilized, slave or free. No, none of that matters. None of that background, none of that culture matters. He says, all that matters, all that matters Christ is all that matters. Paul said, listen, quit looking at your physical differences. Quit looking at your background and your gender and your race. Quit looking at your socioeconomic status. Quit looking at all of these differences that everyone else wants to point out and everyone else wants to say, say how messed up things are. He said, quit. He said, quit looking at all of that. The only thing that matters, the only thing is Jesus in you. That's it. That's all. And then he says, and he lives in all of us. Now that's not a we are the world or we are his children. Michael Jackson song. No, this he's saying he's speaking to believers. He's saying he lives in you. Quit looking at all of those differences. Jesus is all that matters. If he is in you, if he is in you, you then are taking Jesus to every single person you meet. Everyone you pass with road rage, you just took Jesus with you. Everyone you get mad at in the Walmart line when they have 30 items and the 10 items are less, you just took Jesus with you. And Jesus really doesn't care how many items they have. He said, quit looking at all of these differences. He said, realize when you walk and when you go and when you talk and when you make a facial expression, when you give someone the one-fingered wave of anger, he said, you've taken Jesus with you. He said, beware. He's in you. He's with you. And you are taking Jesus to every single person you meet, and you cannot, if you're a believer, you cannot and you never will be able to separate yourself from him. You can't leave him in the car. You can't lock him in while you run in and you do what you really need to do or want to do real quick without him. Nope. He's with you. He's with you. And here's the question. What does Jesus look like to the people you're with? What does Jesus look like in you to the people you're around? You see, someone, someone has to live the difference. Someone has to be that one that Paul is speaking to saying, you used to be addicted and loving all of this junk over here. That used to be you, but that's not you anymore. Now you're the miracle and people see it and they're talking about it. 
See, here's the question. Why are you viral? Are you viral because you live like hell during the week and then on Sunday you try to get close to heaven? And the people around you know it, that there's no difference between you and them other than you get up early on Sunday morning perhaps. Is that why you're viral? Or are you viral because of what Paul is speaking about? Are you viral because they see a difference and they understand there's a difference, not, not making you arrogant. There's a difference because somehow something in you, even though hell may be all around your life, you're living as if your soul says there's heaven here on earth because Jesus is in me. Are you living the difference? That'll go viral. Person to person to person. Because I'm telling you this. If Jesus can make a difference in me. And you say, oh, but Harley, you're a pastor. Yeah. If Jesus can make a difference in me. Deep. On the inside of me, then he can change anybody in this room. Person by person by person. Paul goes on in verse 12. He says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He says, you put on humility and kindness like somebody puts on a robe. And then you walk out of your house clothed with gentleness. Paul says, I want you to be the miracle I want you to live the miracle life. And it's not a life of luxury. It's a life of loving. I want you to be the miracle. He says, you were an angry bear. But now you're kind. And only God can do that. He said, you were an arrogant, arrogant, arrogant man. But now you're humble. And only God can do that. He said you were rough and gruff. And now somehow you are gentle. And only God can do that. You were angry and in a hurry. And now you're patient. And only God can do that. And because of him, because of Jesus, he says now to you, because of Jesus, you are a living, walking, talking miracle. People say, where are the miracles today? And I believe this with all my heart. They're everywhere. You see, we've been praying for something supernatural to happen to our finances. We've been praying for something supernatural to happen to our health. And I believe that God wants you to pray for something supernatural to happen inside of you 
so that when people look at you, they see a changed life. And Paul says, live the miracle life that God is creating inside of you and go viral. And then he ends it with this, this section with this, verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance. He says, it's going to happen. Someone's going to hurt you, and they're going to hurt you bad. Make allowance for it. Be prepared. Doesn't lessen the hurt. But it does change the impact. He said, make allowance for it. He said, forgive anyone who offends you. You're going to get offended. He says, forgive them. And then he reminds them, remember, the Lord forgave you. In case you forget, Paul says. In case you climb up on your holy horse and survey the world around you and look down at people and say, you've done this, you've done this, I'm holding you accountable for this, you owe me for that. Paul said, climb down off your horse. Remember. You have hurt God himself by the way you've lived. You have offended Jesus by the decisions you've made. You have harmed the Holy Spirit by the things you have thought about. And God forgave you. See, it takes a miracle of a person to forgive the offender. And Paul is saying the ultimate, the ultimate in love is to admit that the offense has been paid for by Jesus himself. So forgive them, he said, forgive them, just like he forgave you. My friends, that kind of love goes viral. Because we live in a culture where everybody wants to pretend that they care about something or someone else. But the reality is, for most people, even though those words come out of their mouth, the reality is for most people, they only love themselves. And Paul says, the ultimate show of love is for you to admit that that offense, that harm, and that hurt has already, already been paid for by Jesus. And just simply forgive them. So this morning, what does this mean for us today? As we leave this dark movie theater and we get in the car and we drive away. Well, for us this morning, I believe some of us need to determine 
to take our minds and our thoughts and our conversations and our ranting to take it off the junk that is in and around our lives and to place it squarely and solely, our focus on Jesus. Some of us need to do that this morning, this very moment, and simply say, Jesus, I have been focusing on everything but you. We need to change that focus right now. Some of us need to take what we have been thinking about, what we have been planning and plotting, and we need to stop. Stop looking for ways to make our sin acceptable. And we need to take all of those thoughts and place them on Jesus and his words that need to sink down into our lives. This morning, some of us need to die to that old self. The Bible says, if you are in Jesus, you have died to that old self. But so many of us, those are just words, because we go back into those same environments. We go back into those same poisonous relationships. We go back into those same places, and we find that dead Harley or that dead you, and we start giving it CPR. We start trying to bring that dead person back to life. And Paul is saying, let the dead be gone. You are new. Don't take your new self. Don't take yourself that now contains the Spirit of God inside of your life and go back into that tomb and try to resurrect the old Harley, the old you. This morning, some of us need to walk away from our dead selves. And we need to focus on Jesus. Why? Why? Why go back to death? Jesus says, I'm here. If you're a believer, he says, I'm not just around you. I am in your life. Why go back to your dead self? He says, listen, you want to be that miracle. He says, I hope you do. Then here's how you do it. You take your focus off of this and you put it on me. Not just on Sunday. Every single day. He says, you want to do it? Take your focus and then stop thinking about this mess, this junk. Think about me. Think about Jesus. Be the miracle. Quit dragging the dead along with you. The dead you. 
leave it. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful. So very grateful. That you're not just taking the old Harley and putting band-aids on him and using some spiritual gorilla glue to hold me back together as best as possible. No, God. The old Harley is dead. And you have created him new. And if I will just now continue to change my focus from that life to you, from my hurts to you, from the junk to you, then God, you will continue to change me from the inside out and my life will be a miracle that can only be explained by one thing, not that I tried harder, not that I did better, but one thing and one thing alone, and that is you changed Harley. And that goes viral. And God, I can only pray that when you take the depressed mess of Harley and recreate me, And recreate my friends here this morning. That we will see a thousand lives changed in this area. Connected to you forever. Because your church took you serious at your word. And we decided to live the miracle lives that you've given us. And God, you get all the glory. Because we tried to live that life and we failed. But you now offer it to us for the mere cost of focusing our lives on you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.